Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 102 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen. We've both had a couple of very disappointing days at the lake where weather was just not on our team. Kurt, you know, boating, taking the boat out, it's the ritual, right? It's where did you put the wrench? Where did you put the trim guards? Where did you do all this stuff? And uh, you had some people ruin your routine. (laughs) It's all about the system. Whether you're flying a plane or doing a boat, yeah. We're taking uh, someone out for the first time for the year. They're all excited, but had somebody that didn't turn the radio off, which drained the battery, which didn't get fixed, but we bought a battery pack. Anyway, it didn't get started. Things didn't happen. And it was per- the thing is, opposite of you, it was perfect conditions, and it was very disappointing. So we jumped in the light and called it good. Well, yeah, we're making excuses because we're recording the podcast a little later than we usually do because Kurt had this epic boating day all set up and... <laughs> He couldn't get out on the lake. And, and last week's show, the audio was a little off because I was a place called Bear Lake, and we just struck out on weather completely. Uh, every single day, the high was like 62. It was really bad, but not as bad as my dad. He This was a big family reunion thing, and he has a great boat. We rented a, a nice cabin. We're staying there. We're excited. Going to go out on the boat this one evening, and he's backing the boat down the asphalt driveway at a bad angle, and he crunched the outdrive into the asphalt. You can see the big gouge that it left, and that'll be three thousand bucks to repair a U joint in the outdrive. Ouch! Yeah, that could just feel that sickening feeling in my stomach. Yeah. It didn't even happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. That's the thing; those boats. That's why they say I've done stupid things before. I feel your pain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's that's why they say the happiest days are when you buy it and when you sell it, because just these little things can just really destroy your wallet. Again. Yep, yep. So that's what's been going on over here, everybody. We hope you're doing well. Uh, subscribe to the podcast by going on to iTunes and punching in Maximize Your Influence. And our offer still stands on the testimonials. Many of you have taken advantage of this. Just leave us a testimonial, a little write up on iTunes about what you like about the podcast, and then email us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. And we can uh, verify that you're legit, that you're a real person by just looking that you did indeed leave the review and uh, we'll send you some pretty great goodies for less than the cost of a honda civic we're going to give you a subscription to persuasion university and you need to check that out by going to universityofpersuasion.com and some great goodies there as well as a free coaching session so you've got something that's hanging you up in your business you want to know how to get prospects more interested you want to get them how to stop saying hey i need more time any of that kind of stuff we'll do a customized coaching session direct to you free of cheese it's dairy free it's legit good information all we want to do is help you that's our sole intention uh, is to make it better that sounds like a no-brainer come on it certainly does hey give us 30 minutes let's work with you you'll see amazing things in your business and not only that give us some great testimonials will help us out too so win-win for everyone just make it happen and you'll have a big smile on your face you certainly will certainly will so Make sure you do that. And as always, you can send us your comments, questions, derogatory remarks, show suggestions, ninjas, homers, or anything else that you feel needs to be brought to our attention <laughs> to maximize your influence at gmail.com. Sometimes we even answer. 
Let's get going with the show today, Kurt. As it turns out, businesses are trying to engage via Twitter, right? You can't hear about a business these days without hearing about Twitter. By the way, shameless plug, Influence Max, that's where you can find us, at Influence Max. That's where we tweet about the show and different articles and whatever else may be on our mind. So that's where you can follow us on Twitter. We'll even follow you back, Influence Max. Anyways, when people complain about businesses via Twitter and businesses try to engage, try to make it look like they care, and I think that's why it's bad, they're trying to just make it look like instead of actually caring. This is coming back to bite them. What do you got for us via the Journal of South American Irrigation Professionals? Close. I'm just grateful we don't see Urkel anymore. That's what I'm excited about. Uh, well, see, now you brought it up. I forgot about it. <laughs> I, I, I about that. I bring that up and just let it go. Maybe it'll just disappear forever. You walked into that one. Yeah, you got to yeah, cue okay, it now. <laughs> go and make Steve happy. All right. There we go. I'm happy. Go ahead with your article. Right. You have permission. This is the Journal of Marketing Science of South America. No, I added the South America part. <laughs> but they were looking, because it's all the buzz, right? Social media, social media. And so they were looking at how companies address complaints on social media. Does that improve customer relationship with the company? But then they found on the flip side, it also increases the customer's expectations that we talked about last week. Remember a lot of expectations to receive help and makes customers more likely to speak up in the future. Isn't that interesting? So they found that people complain on Twitter. They do it kind of to vent their frustrations, but they also want to see if the company will do anything. Did they grab their attention? And the side effect, of course, is all right, I complained and they did something about it. They gave it to me for free. Now I'm more likely to complain. So on one hand, it improved the customer relationship, but on the other hand, it increased the likelihood that they would complain again. And so they talked about the social media environment. It's kind of a self-stabilizing environment. And companies should not overreact to the negative comments. That's how people are. You could, in my world, give a perfect presentation. Someone's going to complain. You could sell them a perfect product. Somebody could complain. You could be own a restaurant and serve perfect meals and someone's going to complain. So don't overact. That's how some people are. Plus, there's people out there that will sabotage you. Maybe it's your competitor. Maybe it's something else. So their conclusion was social media is a double-edged sword. Companies watch out and weigh the plus side against the downside for marketing and service interventions, meaning it's good to address those and manage expectations. But if you're doing it a little too much, that manages expectations that changes expectations, and they're going to post a lot more, which means more negative comments. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree because it's – I had mentioned to you at the beginning of – before you brought your Urkel stuff to my attention <laughs> that sometimes they're just doing it to make it look like they care, and they don't actually care. And I, I think I talked about this on the show. I had to grab a last-minute flight to Chicago. Frontier Airlines had a really good price. Now, I didn't know they went on – they became one of those full-on discount airlines, you know, where you got to pay to breathe and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you want air. Oh, you want a seat. Oh, you want a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you need to ride with the chickens if you want to have a seat with the people, right? That's going to be forty nine ninety five. And so I had paid a little bit extra money to be on the front row. They don't have a first class on Frontier. I thought, well, if I can sit on the front row, my flight was going to land late and I needed to jump in a taxi and get downtown. So I paid and I get on the plane and the first two rows of overhead bulkheads are full of just miscellaneous airline crap. 
like first aid kits and manuals and all kinds of nonsense just on my side. So me, the guy, apparently the premium passenger, had to put my bag like four rows back. Now, you know how it is when that plane lands and you got to go against the current to get your bag. Swimming upstream. Oh, man, that's the worst thing ever, right? You got to have tear gas and a taser if you want to get out of there in under an hour. It's it's pretty bad. And so we're sitting there backing away from the gate, and I had my phone on, I full-on admit. And I'm tweeting about, hey, Frontier, you guys are terrible. You suck, right? <laughs> I'm letting them have it. You know, I bought a premium seat, and they responded to me. And they said, oh, well, what seems to be the problem? And I said, oh, well, I bought a premium seat, and I don't even get to put my bag. I, I got to be one of the last people off the plane because you took up the space that you didn't tell me. And, and they said, oh, well, that's... That's too bad. Usually that space doesn't fill up. And I'm thinking, doesn't fill up. It's your stuff that filled it up. <laughs> and this just got out of hand. I, you know, And by them not really caring and trying to make it better and just trying to make it look like they listened to me, it just got, it just got bad. Kind of like what we do with our wives sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yeah, where we're fake listening. <laughs> or those customer service, you complain about something, you want some help, and you get... Someone who cut and pasted the wrong thing. They didn't even yeah. read your email. That bites <laughs> my fire. I just had that happen the other day. And I'm oh, like, yeah? Man. It didn't even help. It made it worse. It made me more upset to where would they read or have a computer maybe read it or something and send a response back. The answer didn't even correlate to my question. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like a robot is in charge of that business. And it read somewhere that, oh, you're dealing with people. You have to talk to them. <laughs> and, and make it look like you give a crap. Pretend so, you care. Yeah. Pretend you care. Yeah. I, I think it's worse to pretend that you care and have it get out that you really don't than it is to not even pretend. That's true. You know, I think of kind of a potential solution to this. If someone does complain, if you can give them another way to complain, so you're solving the Twitter, you're resolving their issue, but if you gave them a personalized email or a phone number for them to complain, at least it's not getting posted. At least you're dealing with that one person. That might be a way to be able to handle that type of traffic. Uh, definitely, definitely. Because what are the chances that person goes back on the Twitter thread or whatever and says, yeah, they gave me a personal phone number and they didn't do anything? I, I don't think that's likely. Hopefully not. And that's a challenge. If they go to Twitter and say, yeah, I complained to so-and-so company. They gave me free this and that. And then all of a sudden, beep, boom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody's going to complain and this is going to go downhill fast. Yep. I was on a Southwest flight once and we landed and, and the flight attendant got on. You know, Southwest is pretty good about this witty stuff. And they said, everybody, we'd like to point out our on-time arrival and we'd like you for you to please tell your friends because we know you tell them when we're late. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yep, so true. So there we go. That's our Twitter rant. And uh, you're certainly welcome to complain about us on Twitter. Just make sure you tag us at Influence Max. So, yeah, <laughs> we want to talk about the law of contrast today. We're reviewing some of the laws of persuasion that we talked about in the past, partly because I think we've got the blunder of the century coming up that uh, ties into this. It's got to be the worst use of the law of contrast this century, if not since the beginning of time. Am I overselling it, Kurt? Uh, you could be. You might be violating the law of expectations, but let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. We'll cue the Homer. I know you're trying to phase out our sound effects, but you're going to be forced to cue the Homer later. I'm going to wager, and you know, hey, tweet us, uh, Influence Max, post on the Facebook page. If I oversold it, tell me. But I think I have not. When you hear this, 
it's going to be tough to disagree with me. Law of expectation may get me there. That's what Kurt thinks, but I don't think so. So we're here to talk about the law of contrast today. And Kurt, the man, the myth, the legend who came up with this stuff, you can check it out in his book, Maximum Influence. What is the law of contrast? Why should we care? Basically, the human brain, we are affected how we see two different things, two different alternatives in, in succession. So when we contrast two alternatives, two ideas, two things, two prices, it changes our perception of things. And so to put it kind of in, in a simple way, if you were going to a mechanic and you were hearing a strange sound and then maybe there's a little smoke and the mechanic says, oh, yeah, I can fix it. Probably a couple hundred dollars, go to lunch and it'll be fixed. You can come back, it's a thousand dollars. You're pretty upset. You're tense. You can't believe it. Versus if you came in, the mechanic said, I don't know, transmission, you've got this and that, I'm smelling this and brakes. I don't even know if it's worth fixing. You might be looking to get a new car. So why don't you shop for a new car during lunch and I'll see what I can do? And you're thinking, new car, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, whatever that is. And you come back and it's $1,000. You have a completely different reaction. And so that's the way the human brain works. We look for something to compare something to, whether it's price or value or time. And so when you use a law of contrast, you could make your product look less or more expensive than it actually is. You can make your idea look better or worse than it actually is. I mean, if you're in a boardroom meeting and someone has a rotten, terrible idea, you should go next because your idea will actually look better, right? And that's kind of how contrast works, where you can really adjust the perception of the human brain because when you reveal something to your prospect, they are going to look for something to compare it to. And so you have to decide, are they comparing your product, your service, or idea to a Rolls Royce or to a used car? Because if they're saying it's too expensive, you've blown your presentation. You have not used the law of contrast. Right. You don't know what they're comparing it to. I think that's a big deal. We many times assume we know. We, we could be wrong there. You're starting contrast from a from the negative five-yard line. It is. And I've done this in seminars before. I'll hold up a CD, and they don't know what's on it. I say, what's this worth? And that's where that knee-jerk reaction. It's interesting. Some people say 10 cents. They think it's blank. Some people might say 10 bucks. It might be music. Some people might say $100. It might be personal development information. Some might say $1,000 if it's a software. I mean, it's all the same thing, but people have different reactions. And so you have to adjust that perception in your audience because they're going to have a knee-jerk reaction based on their past experience and based on their knowledge. Right, right. So what do we contrast it against to set value? And you're probably, there are a couple of laws of persuasion but that, that would affect this. But when people are saying it's too expensive, you probably blew it with the law of contrast, right? Absolutely. And there's three ways to adjust that perception of value. And let's talk about those briefly. The first one is a famous sales technique, and one of my favorite, you've probably heard it before, is reducing it to the ridiculous, right? What that is is that you take whatever you're doing and divide it by a year, two years, three years. Does your product or service last three years? If it's a photocopier, for example, you might say, well, for model A versus model B, what we're talking about is 22 cents a day or a cafe latte a week or a can of soda a day or 37 cents a week, right? And that puts things in perspective to where it really doesn't seem that it's more. Because it's going to last three years. I can divide the extra thousands of dollars, whatever it's going to cost, by the week, by the year. And so we can say, we're really just talking 30 cents a day, a dollar a day, a dollar a week, whatever it is. That will put things into perspective. It's called reducing it to the ridiculous. Okay. What's next? Next one is my all-time favorite called Sweetening the Pot that we see on infomercials where people get to say, but wait, there's more. 
you have to understand whether you're on the internet giving a presentation, doing a negotiation, when you lump everything you're going to give to them, it decreases the value of what you're doing, of what you're offering. And people just naturally do that. And here's a study, one of my favorite studies. This was done at a bake sale. So the first day, they're like, all right, today we have one cupcake and two cookies for 75 cents. So they put everything together, one big bundle package, and 40% bought. The next day, they say, okay, you get one cupcake for 75 cents. But wait, as a bonus today, you get two cookies. Now, logically, we all know that's the same offer, but it went from 40% to 70% by doing that. That's why infomercials do that. You have your core product, but wait, there's more. You get the Ginsu knives and the Floby and all these fun things. You get $2,000 in value on the internet. People buy just for the bonuses because they're so incredible and have such high value. So never put a thing together. Even like real estate, you know real estate. If you say you get everything in the house, you get the cabinets in the garage and the place set and the piano that destroys the value you say no no the house is two hundred thousand dollars oh wait cabinets in the garage are worth this much you get that oh place in the background is worth this much you get that oh the piano is worth this much you get that then all of a sudden that changes the perception of value mm. yeah, that happened to me today we may have even talked about this on the podcast like a year ago i switched from direct tv to dish network my wife is always on me to cancel the TV. She's like, you know, hey, we don't, we don't watch it. And I said, well, how am I going to watch football? And she has zero empathy. She does not care at all. Well, that's your problem. You got to put up with me going to Buffalo Wild Wings every Saturday night. Well, I don't like that. Well, then let's keep the TV, right? Yeah. So I, I actually won that one. I would never say that to her face. <laughs> but it is being recorded, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, right. No kidding. So I signed up for Dish Network and... When you sign up for satellite or cable TV, they just bomb you with goodies, like you're saying, right? It's, it's worth it just for all the bonuses. Well, the day comes when you have to pay the piper and that promotional rate is going to go away. And that was today for me. They sent me an email and my bill almost doubled. I just didn't like that. I was, oh, yeah. oh okay. You didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. You know, and I'll, I'll tell everyone. My, my bill was like $77 a month before. I'm kind of a cheapskate. Okay. I'm airing out these uh, small expenses, but $77 a month. And the bill was going to go up to, I think, 125 So I called him and I said, hey, whoa, hold your horses. You know, I knew it was going to go up. Come on. Well, 15 minutes later, I'm happy with my revised bill of $92 a month. Now, I'm still paying a lot more in comparison to what I was. But you know those geniuses, what they did is they know a certain amount of people are going to call and they've got it padded and they're going to say, well, you know, we do have this temporary promotional discount we can give you. And so you're feeling better about an increased bill because you got contrasted or conned, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Either or, and they do yeah. that very well. That's what's odd about cable and satellite companies, even cell phone companies. They just raise your bill and some people call, some people don't. They want us to be loyal. Right, but that totally destroys loyalty. But that is a use of contrast where you were up here and now your bill's higher. Yeah. But you're happy about it and you're still going to continue using it. They always thank yeah. you for your loyalty when you call. Never mind the fact that you're tied down to a two year contract. It's going to cost you 500 to get out of. It's like telling the prisoners in um, Supermax, well, thank you for your continued patronage. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Happy yeah. to be here. We appreciate your service and your patronage. Yeah, we're glad you didn't go to another prison. I mean, yeah. we know you have a choice in your support. sentence, and thank you for choosing. 
Then he just offended the prisoners, but all right, we'll see if there's listening. So if you're a prisoner and listening, let us know if you're offended. Yeah, let us know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening, and, you know, make sure you hurry and stash your iPod in the little uh, carved-out hole in the bottom of your cell. Or just below the papier-mâché face. You'll be all right. (laughs) I saw the end of Shawshank Redemption the other day. (laughs) Such such a good ending. You know, you're just cheering for Andy Dufresne every time. That is a good one. That's a good show. What else on contrast? Because a lot of tangents today. A lot of tangents. Yeah, well, well, well yeah, it's your fault. But anyway, let's move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not denying it. So the next one is DITF or door in the face. And this one works really well when you're adjusting the perception of time, the perception of value, where you come up with a really large, unreasonable request. And you know they're going to say no. They're going to decline it. Then you come back with a smaller request. And usually it's around 50% of the time it's going to double your response rate. It's going to double your yeses. Let me give you a couple examples here. Blood drive. Hey, will you donate every two months for the next three years? (laughs) People are like, no, 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 I can't do that. Will you at least donate today? (laughs) Almost doubled the amount of people that said yes versus when they just said, hey, will you donate today? Versus, hey, will you donate every two months for the next three years? When they added the every two months for the next three years, then ask will you donate today, it doubled the amount of yeses. Let me give you another example. So college, they go up to students and say, hey, will you do a 15-minute survey? And we're like, oh, okay, 25% said yes. Now, the next time they're around, they use the door in the face. This is awesome. They said, hey, will you do a two-hour survey? We're like, no, I don't have time for that. I've got class. Oh, well, you at least do a 15-minute one. Went from 25% to 50% by adjusting <laughs> that perception there. And that works really, really well. Now, it works for time and value, and it really adjusts the perception. Hey, will you come to a two-hour meeting? Oh, no. Nah, well, you at least come to this 15-minute one. We'll double the amount of yeses you get by putting it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Works very, very well for time and for the value of your product or service. That's pretty good stuff. Well, okay, if you need individualized tips on implementing law of contrast into your business, like I said, maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Happy to give you some quick suggestions on on how to do that, or we can uh, air it out on the show. We've done that before, so you know where to find us. Kurt, it is time to put my money where my mouth is to see if this is the blunder of the century. All right, Homer, let's get it started. Don't, don't, don't! Okay. Here we go. I think it's the blunder of the century. I like to get my news from Newser, a good way to syndicate um, the news. And they don't even sponsor us. Newser, you owe us money. Send us a check. Okay. So (laughs) this is kind of a PG-13, maybe a little higher blunder. You'll see why shortly. So uh, kids. It's a family show. Yeah. Not anymore. It's not. Okay. All right. There we go. More offense. (laughs) Yeah. So kids, earmuffs. Uh, Here we go. This is about a lawmaker, a, a state congressman, I believe, in Michigan. Headline is, Lawmaker Accused of Concocting Gay Sex Scandal to Hide Affair. Oh, jeez. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> Michigan has a bizarre political sex scandal on its hands. It seems that two conservative state lawmakers, uh, Todd Corser and Cindy Gamrat, were having an affair. They were worried it was about to go public, reports the Detroit News. Well, simple enough, right? And then the bizarre part, in recordings obtained by the newspaper, Corser asks one of his aides to anonymously distribute a fake email alleging that Corser had been caught having sex with a man behind a nightclub, along with a slew of other false allegations. The idea, he said, was to create a controlled burn of lies, so that when allegations of his extramarital affair went public, they wouldn't seem so bad, and people might not believe them. It'll make anything else that comes out after that. 
that is in a video, mundane, tame by comparison, Courser is heard telling the aide. The email did indeed go out, but the aide who made the secret recording balked at sending it. He was fired soon after, as was one of Gamrat's aides, for unspecified reasons. The two freshman lawmakers who have loudly championed traditional marriage and morality are now under investigation by the State House to see whether they use their taxpayer-funded offices to try to conceal their relationship. Not the greatest use of the law of contrast, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, so you get 10 points for using the law of contrast, but minus 100 for <laughs> using it the wrong way because you've got other issues involved as far as perception, uh, judgment, first impressions. I mean, there's so many things that go wrong. Yeah. Because you can leak something like that, but you can't go back to square one and pretend it exists in a situation like that because people are always going to remember that in that type <laughs> of situation. So, yeah. So that would be minus 90 points total for that blunder. So I guess, listeners, you have to decide if that lived up to the hype. The dog went to the bathroom in your house. So go get a couple tons of manure and sprinkle it across the rest of the house so it won't seem like such a big deal. Yeah, that is a bad use, especially since, yeah. <laughs> especially since what they stood for and what happened in politics, what's happening now, that's going to haunt them for a long time and probably uh, destroy their political careers. Yeah, I think, you know, you need to dub in a round of applause. For uh, this guy, Todd Courser, that's fantastic. A controlled burn of lies <laughs> so that it wouldn't seem so bad and that people might not believe them. It's just good work. Uh, blunder of the century, in my opinion. It, listeners, if you disagree with me, go ahead and let me know. If you've got a worse one, I dare you to send it. <laughs> See, when you're using contrast, remember we talked about you're using that for the perception of time and value, not ethics. Mm -hmm. If you notice, usually most politicians, when they know something's going to come out and they know it's going to be bad, they don't want to make it look worse than it actually is. So they use the opposite, which is called foot in the door, where they slowly leak a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit to where it finally comes out. It's not as big of a deal because they've leaked a little bit at a time. They don't want to leak something that makes it look 10 times worse than it actually is. They want to leak a little bit at a time so when it does come out, you've had that little piece a little bit at a time to where it's not as big of a deal as if it came out all at once. Yeah. I think if there is any sanity that we can, his rationale was, we're just going to put all this stuff out there so people won't believe any of it. Right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. When they find out you're the one releasing that information, then there's just no recovery. Talk about your all-time backfires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there you go, Kurt. Anything else before we wrap up the show for the day? <laughs> I mean, it's tough to beat that. It is going to be hard to beat that, but when you, be careful when you use the law of contrast that you are not in that insult zone, kind of like this politician was just way out there. If you're negotiating, we've talked about this before, that insult zone to where you don't want to come out way too high or way too low, but you want to come out with a number or the, a time that's realistic that's happened before. Then you use the law of contrast to adjust the perception. It makes it a lot better, and it's more effective when you do it that way. There you have it, everybody. Kurt gets the last word in on a very blatantly obvious topic, but good info <laughs> nonetheless. We will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for listening. See you next week.